0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area.
1: Well, I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight, if you would, and open them to Acts chapter 6. And in our study this evening, I would like to talk to you about the second of the offices of the church, which is the office of deacon. The scriptures only give us two officers. Those are the pastors and the deacons. And because there are only two offices, that ought to point out to us the importance of them and show that they're highly regarded. Uh, The pastor has the primary position, but closely behind that and with great significance is the office of the deacon in fact paul says in first timothy chapter 3 verse number 13 that a deacon purchases to himself a good degree and that means that if a deacon is faithful if he performs his duties if he is the servant that god wants him to be then he will be blessed and he really ought to take the office seriously and so should every member of the church highly regard the deacons I want to call your attention uh, to the place in Scripture that we believe is the origin of the office. This is in Acts chapter 6, and this is Luke's record of the first choice of deacons. Verse number 1 says, And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procrus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now, in the past few years, we have ordained several deacons, and I've gone through, I think, at least five or six ceremonies in these past few years and so you're probably uh, more familiar with the topic of deacons than you have been with uh, maybe any of the other subjects that we've talked about thus far in the in the doctrine of the church and I think uh, it was recently as as March that we went through an ordination we ordained brother Jorge into the uh, uh, diaconate and uh, so you you've just recently heard a message about this and over the years you've heard many But this is a subject that is uh, really dear to my heart because I've had the opportunity to serve as a deacon. I did that in churches in Kentucky and then also here. And I really do count it a privilege to serve, uh, and that's because I've always loved to be at the center of everything that goes on in the church. Now, I think that it is incredible that there are members of the church that really don't care what goes on in the church. They don't care too much about the business. They don't care to check into things. And so they attend church um, once a week, if that, and that pretty much does them. And they have many, many other things that take up their time. And so uh, they've never looked at at church uh, in the way that I think that I do, perhaps in the way that I do. And I, I think that I'm That may be the reason I'm very sensitive about this issue, and I get very, very much disturbed when there are people that put themselves above the church and above the leadership of the church and think that they have some special insight into what the church does that we don't have. Uh, The church is God's institution and God works through the church. You can't ignore it and you can't do your own thing and and do God's work at the same time. You can't grow spiritually without your church. And there are a a lot of people that think that they are spiritually above the church. They've reached another level or something and they judge themselves to be more spiritual than they actually are. But anyway, this is the the way that I've always uh, approached church, that church is my life. And when I can serve in the church, that's when I am the happiness. And I think that this is what's reflected here in Acts chapter 6 with the apostles. They had the attitude that the church was everything to them. The, the church was paramount to the apostles. They were consumed with their labor in the church. Um, they had their important duties, their most important duties of prayer and preaching, all the teaching of the people. And what they didn't have time to do, was to deal with all of the nuts and bolts issues, you might say, of the inner workings of the church. But they didn't want to neglect those areas. I mean, preaching is important. Uh, of course it is. The prayer is important. But other things that that take place in the church are also important. And the apostles didn't want to neglect any part of the church work because all of this is what God does uh, does with us. And so they they wanted to be sure that these kinds of affairs that... Acts chapter 6 talks about were taken care of. Now, to be fair about this scripture, though, there are many who do not believe that Acts chapter 6 is the origin of deacons. Uh, In verse number 2, the apostles said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, serve, there is the Greek word diakonio, and that is the word from which we get Deacon. But here it's a general usage of the word, and it's found several times throughout the New Testament, variously translated as in the noun or verb form as serve or servant, minister, and so on. But because the word is general in this place, people will say, well, these men that they're talking about here were not really in a special office, that they were servants in the church, but so were many, many other people, and, and these particular men didn't form... Uh, perform any special duties that others didn 't do, but i don 't find that to be a compelling argument. Uh, the first church did have deacons, and we find that out by the qualifications that are given in First Timothy and so I think it would be very, very strange that we would find the office of the deacon in First Timothy just sprung upon us without having been introduced in some other place of scripture. And so I think this is the place that we find it. So Acts chapter 6 does give us the origin of the deacons and gives us some good insight into why the deacons were chosen. So that's what we're talking about first of all here, the origin of deacons. And this scripture gives that origin and explains why the first deacons were chosen. And let me give you a couple of reasons for their choice now and i'm not going to be real detailed tonight i'm not going to keep you a long time we've had so many uh, sermons in the past on deacons that i don't think that i need to do that so this will be kind of a light treatment of the subject this evening but why do we need deacons well first of all they were chosen for division in the ministry there was a lot of work to be done and not all of the work could be done by the apostles Uh, the jerusalem church was fast growing And that brought its own unique set of challenges. Uh, They were faced with persecution and there was a good deal of poverty that resulted because of that. And they had so many people coming in and so many people were poor that what they decided to do was to uh, arrange or by previous arrangement, they had put all of their goods into a common store. They had all things common and we discover that in the fourth chapter. Now, if you'll turn back just a few pages to chapter 4 and verse number 32, the Scripture says, uh, actually, verse, 30, yes, 30, verse 32, that's what I want. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And then in verses 34 and 35, neither was there any among them that lacked, For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So all the goods of the people, all of their food, their clothing, and all of that was put into the common store, and they were clothed and fed out of that storehouse as each of them had need. Now, apparently, the apostles had been handling all of that themselves. Uh, They were taking care of it, but the ministry was going so rapidly that the work, this type of work, was starting to consume all of their time, and they needed that time for study, prayer, and preaching. Now, the church certainly does need ministers. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, the church has ministers, it has servants, and not all of us can do the same things. So what God does, he gives us a a division of ministry so that the ministry can be done well. It gets split up so other people can handle certain things, and all of the ministry can be done well. Now, a pastor, in some cases, and especially in much smaller churches, a pastor may have to be a jack-of-all-trades. And you know, as the old saying goes, you can be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And a pastor doesn't want to find himself in that place, and so he seeks help. Well, the apostles became overwhelmed with all the layers of work that were placed on top of what they were doing. And so when that workload got too heavy, the efficiency of their system suffered. Uh, Some help was needed, and this is because there were people that were being neglected in that daily ministration. And so... Uh, the system became unfair to them. Now, trust me on this. There are a lot of church members that don't think that they get treated fairly. And when they don't think they're treated fairly, they start grumbling. And that is one of the biggest issues to a pastor, is having people that grumble about things. And so the pastors of the church, that's the apostles, they said, we need help. And so they said, go find some men that are honest, And they're filled with the Holy Spirit and appoint them over that business, this business. And since that time, deacons have been responsible for taking care of all the headaches of a pastor. And they're very good for that. So there's a division of ministry within the church so that all areas of church work do get the proper attention. Uh, The pastor has his sphere of work and what he does. The deacons have theirs. And so when everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, then the church will prosper. Now, we notice what the deacons did that give us an example of the type of ministry that they were in. Now, they were chosen, and we just talked about this, for the distribution of food, or distributing food and clothing to the people. And I know that it might seem a little bit demeaning, but the meaning of this word, diaconio, which is serve, in verse number 2, that means to wait on tables. And we still call a waiter in a restaurant a server, And that's the same idea that you have for a deacon. That a deacon, above all things that he is, he is a servant. And he should relish the opportunity to serve because that's what God has called all of us to do. But in particular, that's what he's called a deacon to do. So what seems to be demeaning really is not demeaning because there is nothing that we do in the service of the Lord that's beneath our dignity. I don't care what it is. If God tells you to do it and you're doing it for him, you're not too dignified to do the Lord's work. Well, the pastor is also called a minister, and that means a servant. And the greatest lesson that Jesus ever taught his disciples was the idea of being a servant. Now, remember, uh, in the passage that we read this morning for the, for the message that Jesus told them before they could have their thrones, before they could have the right position in the kingdom of God, they had to learn to be servants. Jesus said that he was a servant. He came to minister, and he demonstrated that by bending down and washing the disciples' feet. So a deacon should be proud to serve because when he does, he reflects the character of of christ now i find it interesting here that the apostle said to find seven men of honest report that were filled with the holy spirit and so they must have been men that were already engaged in in helping others because a person that's filled with the holy spirit is always going to do the kind of work that jesus did that a person who's filled with the spirit will be a servant and so if you find that you're not in that position, then you must not be filled with the Spirit because that's what God's people do. So uh, the, the, the servant of God, the one filled with the Holy Spirit, will always doing, be doing what Christ does, and, and, uh, and that is to help with the needs of others. So I think that Acts 6 is the place where we find the beginning of the office. Uh, there isn't any other place in Scripture that fits as well as this. And so the common interpretation of this passage, and one that we agree with, is this is the place where the office began. Now, I'd like for us to note, secondly, uh, the work of the deacons. And the work here is pretty straightforward in the passage. Uh, there was a physical need. There was a mechanical need, a supply need. And so what they had to do was to put a good distribution system into place. So what do we call that? Well, we would call that an administrative duty. So this is one of the works that a deacon does. His work is administrative. Now, a church is not unlike any other organization in this respect. We have to have administration. We have uh, services in this building. They have to happen. We have property to take care of. We have uh, phones uh, that we have. We have people we have to contact. We need water for baptisms. We need maintenance of the building. We need interaction between church departments. We have an office in the church. And why do we have all of those things? We have that for administration. All these things have to be cared for, and they have to operate smoothly, in order for the ministry of the church to operate smoothly. Now, although the first deacon started out with a very crude form of administration, uh, the office has grown, and uh, the deacons may not be the ones that perform all of the duties in the church personally, but what they do is they help to oversee it. They help to delegate to make sure that these different types of works get done. Now, a good example of that would be with our church treasurer few years ago, uh, Brother uh, John was chosen to be the pastor, or not the pastor, the treasurer of the church. And uh, we had changed our bylaws uh, to say that, uh, if at all possible, that we wanted a deacon to be the treasurer. And I think that's the most scriptural approach to it. And so we were blessed to uh, ordain a deacon that had that ability that he could be the church treasurer. and we thank him for that now brother john has been a little bit critical of some of the things that i've said lately about the treasurer, you know about judas holding the bag and all of those kinds of things and he hasn't been too pleased with that so we'll give him his due tonight uh, he does a great job as the treasurer and he's a good deacon to take care of those kinds of things another example of administration would be something that uh, brother Brian petro did just a few weeks ago Uh, We had to purchase new bulletins, and they're very, very expensive. So he worked out a way that the church could barter for those bulletins, and he was able to save a whole lot of money for the church in being able to do that. And that's the kind of things that deacons do. They take those kind of responsibilities that maybe you don't see how all these things happen. A lot of those things that get done, most of the things that get done in those kinds of areas are things that are done by the deacons. And uh, each of the deacons of our church has an area of ministry that they administer. For instance, uh, Eric takes care of the, overseeing the uh, video and the sound system and taking care of workplace requirements. Uh, we have Brother Jorge here. He helps to take care of uh, Sunday school, working with uh, Brother Tabor Gerald, the Sunday school superintendent. We have uh, Brian, who... What do you do exactly? Uh, he, he's got a lot of stuff that he does. We depend of, uh, depend upon him for many, many, many different things. But all of the deacons have some area of the church that they work over, they take care of, and it really lightens the load load for, for me uh, that they take on these uh, special jobs that they do. Now, for that reason, because the deacons are, in one sense, uh, very, very busy people and they're doing all these other tasks, different from what the pastor does, that there are some pastors that treat deacons like they're hired hands. I mean, hired hands that don't really work for any pay. They work for the reward, which is good enough. I mean, that's they're willing to do that. But some uh, pastors look at deacons as men to complain about, that th- this poor guy, I mean, he must be a half-wit that he was dumb enough to get corralled into doing the job of a deacon. And sometimes maybe that's what the deacons think because the pastor thinks that way occasionally. I mean, why do I do this? But they do it because they love the Lord. They do it because they love their church and they do it for the same reason that I'm the pastor of the church because this is God's work and they want to do it. But I want you to notice something very special about the deacons in verse number 3. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, why do we need men that are filled with the Holy Spirit for administration? Now, I understand the requirement that the apostles gave that they were to look out honest men. I understand that. Uh, the deacons had to deal with money. In our church, they do. Uh, the deacons help with formulating a church budget and under my direction they approve the spending of the church they uh, act as a board of trustees to handle legal matters for the church so we understand why why honesty is needed but why do they need to be filled with the holy spirit for administration you know i i trust the uh the banker at chase bank to take care of my money and i don't really think that he's going to try to get into my account and steal my money There's not much there to get if he did, but I don't think that he's going to do that. I I trust him to do that, but I don't require that the banker be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to handle my money. Now, if I went down to the bank and the banker said to me, you know something, your money is safe with me because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd probably take my money someplace else because that guy's a nut if he said that to me. So I'm not really looking for a Holy Spirit-filled banker. I mean, that would be a good thing to have, I guess, in one way. But, But I don't require the banker to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, it should be obvious that there's something else going on here besides just taking, require, uh, uh, taking care of money and just taking care of things that go on around the church, like I've just mentioned with Brian doing and, and taking care of sound systems and things like that and taking care of the building requirements and maintenance and all those things. There must be something else going on here that the Scriptures require of a deacon if he's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that tells us then that... The deacon's duties are also spiritual. He has spiritual duties. And trust me on this, there are many, many people who don't think the deacons ought to have anything to do with things that are spiritual. But I think 1 Timothy 3, verse 9, backing up to the qualifications that are given there, show us that a deacon has to be a spiritual man. It says, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And there's no one that holds faith in a pure conscience unless the Holy Spirit has been working in his heart. And in fact, as you go down the qualifications of a deacon, you won't find anything there that falls short of the qualifications that are given for a pastor. I mean, the same things are there. A standard has been set. And so why would we be so concerned about their spiritual lives and why they're right? Well, that's because they do also have spiritual duties. Now, let me qualify that somewhat, that the spiritual duties of a deacon are less formal than those of the pastor. Now, the deacon performs his spiritual duties in an unofficial capacity. In other words... We have to have a separation of the spiritual duties because the pastor is the one who is the primary spiritual leader. And deacons become spiritual leaders not by virtue of the office but because of the spiritual deportment of the people. Uh, The the people have to be able to look at the deacon and to see that he's a model that they can watch, that they can mold their own lives after him. And they can have confidence that the man who is a deacon can be trusted as a pattern for their lives. Now, let me try to help you understand what I'm trying to say here. The pastor should be a spiritual man, but his demand for respect is partially because of the office that God has given him. Now, he's particularly called a ruler in the church. And we noted that last week from Hebrews 13:17. He has authority vested him in him because of uh, by virtue of the office but the deacon does not have an office that gives him authority to rule nowhere in the new testament do we find that deacons are rulers and whenever deacons take on ruling authority that's when they begin to tread on the office of the pastor now understand also uh, around here we use the terminology that we have a deacon board but our deacon board does not act like You think most boards would because usually a board has the authority to make binding decisions for the church or for an an organization, I should say. But the deacon board does not have unilateral authority to make any binding decisions for the church. The the deacon board cannot overrule the pastor. The deacon board cannot fire the pastor. And many pastors uh, refuse to have deacons because there are deacon boards that have taken authority that they shouldn't have and so when they have abused that authority they say well it's better for me just not to have to deal with that and so they won't have deacons at all now you need to understand all of this so that you don't misunderstand the authority of the deacons of the pastor and of the congregation what the deacons cannot do the deacons cannot stage a coup and take over the church and the deacons can't Outs the pastor. Now, they try to do that often, but I don't let them do that. They can't oust the pastor. But we also understand, um, you should understand the congregational polity, and uh, some people don't understand that because sometimes congregations overstep the authority of the pastor as well, and that would be wrong. So coming back to the original premise, the deacons do have spiritual duties, but those duties are secondary and unofficial. Now, the qualifications of a deacon give us proof that there is a spiritual side, and so a a pastor or a church that would exclude them from that part of their duties and just makes the deacons a cleanup crew, that is wrong. That is an unscriptural position. Now, let me add a little bit to this so I can describe what our deacons do in this church on a spiritual level. Uh, Most of you are aware, or all members should be aware, that... uh, We have a deacon care system, and that is every member of the church is assigned to a deacon. And it's your deacon's job to kind of watch over you, to check your attendance, uh, to know the kinds of things that are going on in your family, to be aware when there may be a change in your disposition, something that would indicate that there's a spiritual problem in your life. If you miss church, the deacon should be the first person that would contact you and after so long a period of time, he, he should contact you and his thought in doing that is to head off a problem or a potential problem, take care of it before it gets too big. Now often, there are no problems and a deacon may give you a call, you may hear from him and if you do, thank him. Thank him that he cares enough about you that he will check on you And uh, he's trying to see if there's any trouble there. There may not be any trouble at all. But he contacts you in order to help resolve issues that you might have. And if you don't hear from him, then you take the responsibility as a church member to chastise your deacon and tell him that he should have contacted you when you missed or when you were sick or whatever it might be because that's what he agreed to do. That's part of the job. And so you help me keep them straight too, if you will, um, because they're supposed to take care of those kinds, kinds of things. But let me also say, all of you should be very, very thankful for the deacons. They don't get any pay. They get much grief. They take a lot of time to do what they do. And that's because, as I said a moment ago, they love the Lord and they love the church and they do believe it's an honor for them to serve. So thank them for that. They have their own families, and they have their own problems, but they have volunteered to make your problems theirs, and they've agreed that they'll take some grief for you, so thank them for that. Now, I want to back up just a little bit to explain something else. Uh, Sometimes pastors are guilty of abusing deacons. Uh, They make the deacons the scapegoat for the mistakes that they make. And so what they do is they hide behind the apron of the the deacons and let the deacons take the fall. So on one hand, they say that the deacons have no say in running the church, but then on the other hand, if something goes wrong, it's the deacon's fault. Now, that tells you there has to be something wrong with one of those two positions. You can't have it both ways. Well, one last point. One last point that I want to give you. We're going to try to finish up a little bit early here. I haven't, as I, I haven't been comprehensive, as I said, because I've preached so many times about deacons. But I think this last part of it is something that uh, in all the messages that I preach, I've never spent any time dealing with this third part, and that is the gender of deacons. Is it possible to have female deacons? Is there an office in the church called a deaconess? Well, there are some who say that it's okay, and the confusion comes from a couple of places in Scripture, and one of them is in Romans 16, verse number 1. There, the Apostle Paul says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at at Concrea. A servant there is the word diaconus. That's the feminine form of the word uh, that from which we get deacon, the same word from which we get deacon. And so there uh, you have diaconus. And then in 1 Timothy 3, verse 11, it says, Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Now, wives in that verse could be translated as women. And so some say that this refers to the deaconesses rather than to the wives of the deacon. So, what do we do with those two passages? Well, you remember that in the in, in the beginning of the message, I told you that servant and minister" in scripture those are words that are used multiple times, but they don't always refer to an official title now Although diaconus is translated many times as servant and minister, there are actually only two passages in the New Testament that translate that word as Deacon, or, or transliterate that word into the word deacon. The first one is in Philippians 1, verse number one. Uh, the second passage is First Timothy chapter three, where five times the word is translated as deacon. Now, in those two places of Scripture, diaconus refers to the official office. In Romans 16:1, where it speaks of Phoebe. That is not an official title, and that's the reason why the King James translators did not translate that as deaconess in that particular passage. And then uh, any woman working in the church can be called a servant. That's perfectly acceptable, just like uh, we have there in the Scripture. But a woman can't be called a deacon or a deaconess. In First Timothy 3, verse number 11 It's most harmonious with Scripture to translate that particular passage as deacons' wives, exactly as the King James does, and they're giving qualifications for the deacons' wives. But nowhere in Scripture do we have any precedent for women taking on this kind of a leadership role. Women can be used for service, uh, but we can't mix the deacon board with men and women. Uh, I, I wouldn't send a woman out to do... Uh, to deal with men on any particular issue, not on a spiritual issue. Uh, Women are limited in their ability to work in certain areas of the church, whereas men can work with both men and women. So the question is, what need is there for the office of a deaconess? The best place to introduce that into the church would have been in Acts chapter 6, and that's because the first deacons were chosen to do what? Well, they were dealing with women, dealing with the widows that thought that they had been neglected in the daily ministration. Now, that would have been the logical place to choose seven women of honest report, or at least to choose one woman out of those seven, and let her be the one that gave advice to the men about women. I mean, tell the men how women think, because goodness knows we have no idea what that is, and so we need that kind of help. And so that would be the perfect place where that could be introduced. But there you find it says choose seven men of honest report. Uh, so one answer to this then is that women can be great servants in the church. I mean, women, in fact, in many churches, uh, women outnumber the men, and so their their help is needed. But as an official office, no, we find the word used not officially, Diaconus not used officially. Christ was called a servant. The apostle Paul, the word... Uh, Diaconus was also applied to him and he wasn't a deacon, not in, not in this sense. We're talking about in an official capacity as an officer, officer of the church. But what happens then when you have a church that has no men to be qualified for deacons? Well, then you don't have deacons because the scripture does not give us any license to Appoint women to an office that only men are able to be qualified for. I mean, there's nothing in the scripture anywhere that says that we are to lay hands on women or that we are to ordain women in any official capacity for the church. Now, I'm winding up there. Just a very brief lesson. I hope that I've given you something to think about concerning the office of the deacon. Must the church have pastors and deacons to be a church? No. You have to have a church first in order to appoint them. But it's necessary to have these offices for, not for being, but for well-being. A church operates best when it has men that will serve the Lord in the capacity, first of all as pastor and that of deacons. And we do thank the Lord for the many women that serve in the church. Uh, Churches where uh, the women outnumber the men, And there are no men to do the jobs. We're thankful for that, but we don't give them the official office when the Bible says that we can't do that. We have no place in the Scripture that tells us to do that. So thank the Lord for your deacons. Thank them for the work that they do. Uh, They're selfless in many, many of the areas that that they work for the church, and we thank God for them. So shake their hand tonight and tell them you appreciate them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we've looked into your word tonight. And uh, although we gave a a very simple message this evening, uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would help your people to appreciate very much those in the church that are willing to take on these responsibilities, um, the the administrative duties and the spiritual duties, uh, things that otherwise they wouldn't have to do because they have so many things to take care of that, that in their own houses, their own problems. But, Lord, we thank you that they're willing to put your church as, a, as just a place that they really want to hold in great esteem and to serve and to be what you've required them to be. So we thank you for that. Bless our church tonight, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to serve you here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this presentation